According to St. Luke, when Jesus had finished all his words to the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave who was ill and about to die, and he was valuable to him. When he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and save the life of his slave. They approached Jesus and strongly urged him to come, saying, He deserves to have you do this for him, for he loves us and our nation and he built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But when he was only a short distance from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not consider myself worthy to come to you, but only say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a person subject to authority, with soldiers also subject to me. And I say to the one, go, and he goes, and to another, come here, and he comes to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning, said to the crowd following him, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When the messengers returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. The Gospel of the Lord. First, my apologies to the ladies of the Alton Rosary Society. Uh, we didn't discover the double booking until this morning when I got invited to the potluck, and I thought, aren't there a whole bunch of priests going to be in my house the next three days? So I don't know how that happens, but I now have a business manager, so it won't happen again. Um, there seems something fitting about this, at least in as much as, though both holy, one feels fairly certain Jesus had to drive his mother nuts. Well, you've got 30 young sons who are also fathers in there, and it seems right they drive you just a little bit crazy. There's another son here who still drives his mother crazy, young Daniel, who, no, not you, behind you, young Daniel, uh, who is celebrating his 15th birthday. The gift of life is deeply tied to the name that we receive, and especially when that life is threatened, when we experience healing and grace then it's natural on our birthdays to come to give thanks. So we're grateful for that as well. Names are really important. We know this intuitively in families. We pass down names from family member to family member to family member. Um, I'm a Patrick, a long line of Patricks. Sometimes I say the McManuses are the most unoriginal name givers in the history of the world because all the boys are Patrick and all the girls are Colleen. It's only half true, but it's only half a lie. The reason there are these twin feasts of the holy name of Jesus and the holy name of Mary is because those names have particular power. The name of the Lord Jesus, obviously, that which St. Paul says, to which every knee shall bend. 
It's the reason during the Mass, and even outside the Mass, if we're mindful, our heads bow just a little every time we hear the Holy Name mentioned, out of reverence for who it signifies, what it means. The name of Mary, like the Feast of the Name of Mary, like the Feast of the Name of Jesus, comes after the birthday. It's because the Jewish custom, right, is to give the name on the eighth day, the Sabbath following the birthday. Mary's uh, birthday, though, was last Wednesday, so you might be going, well, that's not eight, Father. That's true. And there's not some fancy Bible math that makes it true. It's just because by the time the feast day made it on the calendar, the, the, the octave day of Mary's uh, birth was always going to be the feast of the exaltation of the cross. So like I expect every mother in this room, um, your birthday got bumped in favor of the children. Some things the same in heaven even as on earth. Why, though, shouldn't Mary's name be so powerful? St. Bernard says that we should never fail to have the name of Mary on our lips, especially in moments of doubt, because it was she who first believed, despite all the odds. St. John Eude says that the demons tremble at the name of Mary as before none other than that of her son. I had an experience of this myself just a little bit last time I was in Tanzania. We had an encounter with a possessed person. I've not talked about this a lot publicly because it's kind of shock and awe stuff, and I don't know that's always real helpful from the pulpit, but I know most of y'all, so just behave. Um, if you recall a couple of years ago, the priest who came and preached the Lenten mission was from the Padre Pio Foundation, and he left several jars of Padre Pio oil, oil that had been sieved through Padre Pio's gloves. And uh, unbeknownst to me, whoever packed the goodies to take to Africa sent a couple bottles of the oil. So we were at this orphanage um, distributing gifts, and I found the oil and went to give it to the sister. And she said, I have a niece working in the kitchen who uh, is eight months pregnant, and the baby's breech, and it's bad, and that's a lot more dangerous there than it would be here. Could you anoint her with it? And I said, sure. And um, they brought her out, and she and I talked for a little bit, and I said, do you want me to do this? I didn't want to impose a ritual on someone against their will. But she seemed very willing. And I said, by the intercession of St. Pio, holy confessor, and in the moment that I touched her, I got thrown across the room. It was like a movie. And the next four hours were just like all the movies that you're not supposed to have seen. The reason I raise that today is because that was just the name of Pio. Just one lowly priest, 2,000 years removed from all this. And now his name has power. And his name has power for the same reason that her name has power. Because he lives in proximity to him. Because she lived her whole life in proximity to him, in relationship to him. Our names can come to have real power someday. Really, we may be exercising people by the intercession of St. Jane. <laughs> Two of you. <laughs> That's entirely possible. St. Daniel of Des Moines has a good ring to it. See, holiness isn't something we attain. It's a gift that we're given, that we cooperate with, that we grow into, but it can change everything. 
the world, seen and unseen. If there's a particular gift to the name of Mary, if there's a a particular charism or usage or place that her name plays in our life, I think it must certainly be this, that Mary's name, Mary's name carries all notes of tenderness and care and motherhood. It is, you know, like we'd say here in sort of American English, like motherhood and apple pie. That's what Mary's name is intended to stir up in each of us. The fathers of the church saw in her name notes both of the sea, Mar, right? And of the stars, which is why she's called Star of the Sea. Mary, it's worth remembering here, is actually named after somebody. Somebody who crossed the sea. Moses' sister was also named Miriam. And when the people of Israel get to the other side of the sea, the first thing she does is start singing. But the oldest usage of her name that we know has it simply associated with the title, Lady. If at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and every tongue confess, on the earth and under the earth and above the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord, then let those same tongues ring out today and always. The name of Mary is Lady. Our Lady.